Hey everyone, welcome to MB Asians. Do you wonder about your career path after MBA? Are you excited yet worried about working in the US? If so, we're here for you. MB Asians guide you through the crazy MBA world to the workplace by sharing Asian MBA graduate vivid stories and tips. Are you ready? Let's get it! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to MB Asians. I'm Jacob. And I'm Jay. Today, we are very excited to have Jeanette Huang uh, be, to be on our show. She is a consultant from one of the major management consulting firm, McKinsey. I'm sure you all can't wait to hear her stories. So let's welcome Jeanette. Hi, Jeanette. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on our show. I know how busy the consulting can, uh, consultant can be, so um, we're really grateful for you to be here. Of course, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, how? how... Uh, so far, so good. This is Sunday, meaning that I'm not working. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just taking time, like changing my closet for more warmer clothes and cleaning up my room, yeah. do some meal prep for next week. So, so far, so good. I think it's too early to change your club because Michigan here, two weeks ago, it was a summer, but now it became again winter. So I know this is spring season, always the temperature is so fluctuation and changing a lot. All right. So before we jump into the, our topic, maybe I, we want to know about your background a little bit more. So could you... Uh, introduce yourself, like where are you from, like what kind of work experience you had before you coming to MBA and what kind of, what, what MBA school did you come from? Sure. So hi everyone. I'm Jeanette. I'm a class of 2019 from Duke Fuqua. I born and grew up in Seoul, Korea for my entire life before coming to U.S. for MBA in 2017. Uh, before coming MBA, I worked as a PR agent for four to five years, and I wanted to be more upstream of the business, business, and that's kind of like the one of the main reasons that I wanted to recruit for consulting. And after graduation in 2019, I moved to New York, and now I'm working at McKinsey, New Jersey office. Speaking of McKinsey, I know a lot of people who are um, who are who wanted to join the to consulting firm. McKinsey is definitely one of the company that they're in for. So, um, so I guess people know a lot about McKinsey. But um, here, I wanted to ask you why McKinsey for you? What's special? Why there's you know other top um, consulting firms? What's what's Blue McKinsey appealing to you? Sounds like I'm getting back to my recruiting interview. <laughs> Why McKinsey? <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, to be honest, I didn't know much well about like all the different man management consulting firms, including McKinsey. I, I mean, like I know their name. I went their uh, company presentation, but didn't know anybody who like worked there or such before coming MBA. So I didn't have any background info, but for me, like when I'm choosing uh, where I'm working, there was like one important question I always ask to my interviewer, 
what's about the diversity and gender equity at the firm. Um, and while I'm recruiting, I mean, this can be totally different from the other people's experience, but in my case, uh, when, I, when I asked those questions, McKinsey was the one who gave me a good answer to me. Uh, the answer that I got from McKinsey was that like they're approaching it as more like business perspective, like in terms of like being more productive, being better counselor to our clients. They mentioned that like diversity and getting very different backgrounds and gender equity is very important. And I thought that that's very uh, logical answer to pursue that Path versus like, oh, because that's what we need to do, or that's like more, you know, like ethically good thing. So that was something that uh, impressed me. And that's the main reason that I choose McKinsey. Um, but yeah, but I'm pretty sure others may feel in different way. Yeah, but <clears throat> I do. I, I believe that um, nowadays, especially in the US, it's just such a, it's, a, it's such a place that have a um, very various people from different backgrounds. Um, I feel like diversity did play a very important um, role um, working in the U.S. and have that environment, um, the company that values the diversity, um, also gender equality. I think that is really important. And, you know, you're going to be here for a long time, I suppose. So <laughs> I'm I sure that's really important. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I also noticed that before you joined the um, New Jersey office, you actually interned at the Seoul office, um, also at McKinsey. So maybe you can tell us why do you make that change from Seoul office to New Jersey, and what do you see the difference between um, an office in in different country um, within McKinsey? So I originally my plan was going back to Korea. Uh, because of my family reason, I have been living with my grandmother for a very long time and she was getting old. So I wanted to be back and being with her. Uh, that's the reason why I recruited for Seoul office and then I interned there. Um, however, unfortunately, like she passed away and I thought that like, okay, then, you know, like I don't really have the reason that I immediately need to go back to Korea. So I thought that like, okay, then like maybe I can continue pursue my dream that I wanted to work in more like global setting. I wanted to work in US. So that was kind of the main reason why I switched it, uh, my office for my full-time job. I feel sorry about your grandmother's story, but- oh, Thank you. Uh, no worries. But like, could you a little bit um, explain or do you have any specific experience? What's the major difference working in Seoul, Korea office and working in New Jersey, New York office? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think there are, so in terms of like office culture wise, I find that very surprisingly, they're very similar. Like those people are very similar. The dynamics are very similar. So that was kind of like a very pleasant surprise. Although there were a couple differences, I would say in Korea, because the market itself is like very small and it's mainly based on Korean speakers, you mostly work with those people from the same office. 
So you work whenever you work, like you work with people come from cell office. They may change, but they're all cell office. So on Friday, when you go to the office, you can meet all these people and reunite with them. But in US, you may expect that that's not the case. There was one time like I was in the team that all the team members are coming from all the different offices, one from Canada, one from Miami, one from Chicago, and I'm from New Jersey. So it's really from all over the world. So it's a little bit of bummer, like even if you get so close with them, like when the when the project ends or like when you go back to your office, it's really hard to meet them again. So for me in the beginning, it was a little bit hard to adjust myself into that kind of relationship. Like it really feels like you became a like really very close classmate with your friend and all of a sudden when the class ends like you never see them again. Um, so that was a little bit of a bummer. And I think like that's also kind of cultural difference that I never really expected to experience coming from very small country like Korea versus like US is like very like East Coast, West Coast is like a very different. Um, so yeah, I think like that was a big difference that I never really expected. And I also say uh, the relationship with the client is a little bit of different. I think we may all expect that like in Korea or like in many Asian countries, it's a little bit more hierarchical. It's a little bit more formal connected to the contracts versus like in here, it's more like relationship based. Like these partners have been working with this leaderships for a long time. So they genuinely know each other and genuinely empathize their problems, the things that that makes them keep awake at the night. So I feel like it's more like partnership-based relationships. So in that sense, I think like it's a little bit of difference going on there in a more high level as well. I appreciate your sharings of your experience in Korea office and New Jersey office because it's not easy to find someone who work in both country in same company and your explanation was really well said it's really easy to understand what is pros kind of pros and cons of working in each country so um i have some question about your role so what i heard from my friends is there is a kind of generalist roles or specialized track in mckinsey i'm curious what kind what is your role in what what is your role or job in mckinsey yeah, sure. And also for caveat to my previous answer, I would say, I mean, I did work in Seoul office, but it was only for internship for like two months. So I cannot really say that's, that might not be the perfect answer, but I hope it can give you some sense of what's going on there. Um, and about my role, I'm in generalist track in McKinsey. And yes, there are like lots of different specialist tracks for example, um, operations, transformation, implementation, marketing and sales, digital, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of uh, specialized tracks in the firm as well. Um, I think that is mostly because of, McKinsey started up as a strategy advisor to give some advices for the clients in terms of like business strategy. But as the business grows, like we also broadened our service line. 
including like sales and marketing and also digital transformation. So I think like that made us need more experts who have the specific background in that track. So I would say those specialized team members, they they come with their expertise and then they provide advices mostly based on their expertise. For example, like even if I get into digital transformation study, uh, we call projects as study. Uh, when I get into those study, like I cannot get advices based on like what to do to connect data to like layers. <laughs> um, so those are coming from more experts. And my role is that most of the studies I go to the firm experts, not only the team members, but also those partners who have been serving in the industry for a while, and then gather all the like, experts' advices and make a synthesized storyline and insight so that I can deliver more customized, more impactfully to the, to the client. So as a, as a generalist, could you tell us what your day-to-day -day life looks like? Yeah, sure. So my day-to-day -day life varies a lot based on like what kind of study that I'm in. So for example, if the study is more focusing on strategic advising, my day-to-day -day is going to be much more focusing on researching, like how other companies did, is there any good examples, or like reaching out to external experts, like how did they do before, like what was the challenges. And then like I gather all this information and then build the deck, the presentation slide deck to deliver the insights to the clients or like internal team. Uh, versus if I'm in more implementation type of study, my day is gonna be much more filled with meetings with a client team who is actually running that initiative inside of that client company. So like checking what's going on, what are the advice or what are the supports they need? And then I connect those dots either inside a client company or with the experts in McKinsey so that they can get adequate support to move along with the initiative. So it's a little bit of project management and like giving advices. What about the project? Like the type of the, the project, I mean, um, in terms of the industry, the, your client, did you get to choose to pick or you're kind of assigned? Yeah, that's a great question. So in terms of like specialization, McKinsey really encourages newcomers to do a random walk. We call it random walk, meaning that try as many as industry, as many as different type of projects so that you can find what you want to do. Uh, that is something that very special to BAs and associates because like becoming EM and becoming a P, that is a time that you need to have your focus, like have your expertise. Uh, in terms of like staffing to a project, I call it like a mini dating or mini recruiting because every time we get onto a new project, that's the process that uh, the team who wants a member reach out to you or either I reach out to the team that I want to get in and we set up a call and 
it's really like a speed dating. We introduce ourselves, we talk about like what are the project gonna be and what are the what are the expectations that they have about the project. And you know, like if you like each other, it's 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 a go. So <laughs> it's really like the speed dating or like recruiting. It's it's really like recruiting in the sense that like even if you don't get the project, you really don't know like why they choose somebody over you and like if you get on the project, you never know like who else they interviewed on the process they onboard the member. So yeah, I feel like I'm in a constant recruiting, but obviously it's a less stress than the real recruiting, of course. But yeah, that's the that's a, I think like it's good and bad. I think the good thing is that you are not forced to get into the study that you don't like, so that like you can actually have a chance that you can explore. And then hear like what they are saying about the project, but I guess the bad thing is like it's just like external extra work that you need to do to get into the stuff. So it's always like that. Yeah, it sounds like a, a speed dating. Not that I have joined one of the steep speed dating event, but it sounds like it <laughs> from what I learned. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess that's like you said, it, it's not. You're not like doing a project that you're not interested in, basically. But you have to convince okay. people that you either have the ability, have the passion, and um, are be able to perform um, well on the project yeah, exactly. that you're choosing. Yeah, I feel that can be really stressful, especially thinking about my current recruiting process. Uh, <laughs> and then you're like uh, infinity um, <laughs> recruiting over and over and over again. Yeah, it is. It is some sense like that, but I'm trying to see it more like a shopping experience. I'm trying to give a little bit more positive side over there. <laughs> Not that I'm the, I have the power to choose like, <laughs> who can I go with, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great like kind of a segue to our next question. So uh, I would say like people who always have this vision imagination before they start the new job uh so you imagine oh this is the consulting even though you know you're talking with a lot of people you still have your own perspective on own vision of your your role and your job uh, but now that you have been spent almost two years at uh, mckenzie so i'm wondering is everything so far uh, what you were um envisioned um, any surprise I, I guess speed dating might be the one, but is there anything else? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think I already talked about a lot of uh, differences from my expectation. For example, like those speed datings and also about like how I don't meet these team members that I work with after the after the work, which is a little bit of bummer for me. Because uh, I always love to develop this like team member relationship and getting to know each other, but it's really sad that like you kind of be apart after the project ends. So that's a bummer. I think another surprise to me was that I expected that I was gonna travel so much as a management consultant, but even before coronavirus, I didn't travel that much. 
I was so prepared for traveling that I didn't even bought like pots and pans when I first moved into my New York apartment, thinking that, oh, you know, I'll constantly take the road. And on the weekends, like, I'll just go hang out with my girls. So why do I need those things? So I didn't even bought that much. But surprisingly, um, there are a lot of companies in New Jersey um, that I can just commute with Uber. So I, unfortunately, I didn't have that much opportunity to travel and gain those like hotel points and air mi- airline miles. And now the coronavirus hit. So now it's a very different story. Um, so that is somewhat very surprised to me. But yeah, I just want to say, I know that there are some people who really wants to be local versus like traveling or consulting companies. So I just wanted to say like, that's possible. <laughs> Although that is not the way that I choose. So I think those are surprising things, but not might be too much challenging for you. So is there something that most challenging part of your role or in your company life? Hmm. I think the biggest challenge for me, we're going to be, there are going to be like two of them. I think like the first thing is navigating ambiguity. Like literally ever, every single project, there is a moment, especially in the beginning that I feel like I'm hitting the wall, like, who am I coming into these people who have been in the industry for more than 10 years and talk about that, oh, you guys should do this and that, right? Like, I'm not the person who has the knowledge. So I always feel so intimidated to make that call. Um, but I guess, like, like, every time I hit that moment, I really talk to my managers and whoever around me to talk about. And they always advise me, like, Jeanette, that is not your role to be an expert, right? Your role is to go up and ask questions to the experts, either inside of McKinsey or outside of McKinsey, to get the answer and deliver it uh, for clients to understand what going to be the solution is. So, yeah, I think, like, that's somehow always very hard for me to, like, ask help and then, like, ask things around. Maybe it's my cultural background or maybe it's my character. So navigating ambiguity is somewhat like always very hard, but I guess like that's the essence of our job. And it's really great feeling like in the beginning, you really don't know what to do. Like you feel like lost. And at the end of the day, like you figure out what to do. And then when you talk about it with the client, it's a really great feeling because they might start reaching out to McKinsey because they feel like they're lost, right? And now we can get in there and then talk about it. Oh, like you can get there like through A and B as a really great feeling. And I think the second thing is, for me, it was the biggest challenge throughout the recruiting, but also even after recruiting is networking. Um, I feel like in Korea, the general um, view on networking, especially based on like your school or like your region, it's somewhat viewed like very negatively. It feels like it's not fair, but I find it out in US, it's really 
it's one of your skills and you need to be very aggressive on it or like very active on it. Um, so that is the, as a person who is like very introvert, <laughs> um, it's a very side note, but in McKinsey, we always do MBTI when you first join the firm. And we often shares it when we first meet each other as a team so that we can know each other really well. Uh, and every time I do my MBTI, uh, I'm always like 80%, 80 plus percent introvert. So, <laughs> um, so networking has always been a very hard thing for me. And also adding the fact that like, I love building relationship with the team member while we are working, but since it's not necessarily in your office or like in the industry that you want to work, it's really hard for me to build up another network to get into the other networks. So I feel like that's a little bit challenging to me. I'm just like keep trying to remind me like being aggressive, like reach out to people, talk with people, make friends. Um, so that has been a little bit challenging, but hopefully I'm getting improving there. <laughs> I feel like you are just just like when I see our conversation and your answers, I feel you are much well like extrovert, not introvert. Because <laughs> your your voice is really vivid, and I feel you have a passion when you answering our questions. But anyway, but oh, I'm flattered. I'm appreciated. Because <laughs> you said you have some not problems but you are you have difficulties when you do networking is there any secret sauce that how you overcome some uh, fear of networking or what kind of things you do network so that you can do you can have more um, great conclusion from the networking that's a really great question and that is something that i'm still searching for answers to i think like we all knows what's the rule but Pulling it out and executing and actually building relationship is a little bit of hard part. But to share all these advices that I got along the way is that you just reach out to many people and don't really think about rejection. You know, like if you don't get your reply, it must be like, don't think it personal. Maybe those partners, those people are just like so busy to answer your emails, right? So I mean, if you didn't get answers from the people who you really wanted to reach out, then maybe you do it again, or maybe you utilize the other people in your network saying like, hey, can you introduce me to this person? Because they might gonna read their emails. Um, and also I often heard about you should put a lot of effort to build a relationship, not just have like one-time call, so for those people who I feel like I feel connected, I set up a time to talk with them like every other month or like every two months to just like give updates, like, hey, how's it going? And then like, let them know like what's going on on my side as well so that they can keep remember my name. And then like, I'm constantly on their radar. So I think that's something that I appreciate it. And I also find out some little notes. I met a partner who always 
read, writes those like handwritten cards for their team members every time like after the study. And it's a really small thing, but it really gives a good feeling when you got those notes from them. So I'm trying to be more familiar, like kind or aggressive like that, not to say aggressive, but more proactive like that. So that whenever I have something to say or like feel up something to say, just trying to deliver that. And I recently write down a Christmas card for those people who I worked with last year. And I think like that was also a good move to make to be a little bit of special in their relationship. I, I totally agree when you said that uh, networking can be challenging sometimes. I mean, I was um, kind of intimidating by, by the whole networking culture in the U.S., <laughs> Uh, and you know, during during when you're an MBA student, I kind of start learning those rules, um, how to play the game, um, do the networking, and I was, I was just about to relieve that. Oh, you know what? After I've almost graduated, um, that's the end of the networking. But apparently, that's not. I thought that too. <laughs> I thought that too, and that's my biggest surprise too. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, I really want to say, like, you should find the way that fits you. Like, for me, the large group, happy hours, never really worked for me. Like, seriously, never really worked for me. And even now, like, I don't, I'm the awkward person who just takes the wine and the food from the happy hour, just enjoy myself, not getting into this stranger's talk. But I mean, like, that is not the only way that you can do networking. So it's really important. I guess it's really important to, of course, try different things and just find what works for you. Like, not not trying too hard to become a person that is not you. Like, yeah. I know that I'm never going to be the person who will kill the sip circling. So I just, that's not my way. No, that's that's a great advice. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like people sometimes try too hard um, and then become someone else. And that's just... Yeah, it hard. just like makes awkward yeah. feelings around right. everybody. Yeah, and it's hard to maintain that. Um, it's hard to keep doing it because you're, you're, you kind of don't want it to. Uh, you're hesitate, you're, you push back. Um, so yeah, be... Find the best way. I think that's for like suits yourself. The the way that suits yourself, um, it's a great advice. So um, I want to kind of change the gear a little bit because um, recently, for the past few weeks or month, um, there's a lot of uh, a big topic around um, the Asian hate crime, um, and there's some as like uh, incidents uh, across the U.S., especially in those big cities. And knowing that you live in, in, well, New Jersey is kind of close to New York City. I, I believe there's a, a huge, a big Asian population. I'm wondering that how do you feel um, about this, all this news, this all the things going on around um, in your life and how do you handle it? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's like a really tragedy and it's a really sorry to hear what all of these things are going on. And I cannot believe, especially for those people who born and raised in America as an American, 
uh, I cannot really understand or like imagine like how they having a hard time to kind of like establish their identity. I mean, I just came in US for a couple of years ago and I feel like I'm Asian, I'm Korean and my nationality is Korean, but I cannot imagine how my friends were gonna feel. So I just wanna say sorry to them. Um, in terms of like recent media coverage of Asian hate crime, I, although I feel like it's like a really bad news, but at the same time, I'm like a, a little bit glad that it finally catches media's attention because even last year when this coronavirus started in New York, my couple of my friends get yelled or like even get randomly heated on the road on the daylight in the beginning of quarantine. And that made me so afraid because I live in New York by myself, like without nobody around me. So I was so afraid like, oh my gosh, what if I get hidden in the road and there's nobody knows what's going on with me, right? So I didn't even get out of my apartment building for two months. Um, I guess like I was a little bit of reacting too much, <laughs> but yeah, but that was reality. And then like for recent news, I was so afraid to even get out to get my groceries for a couple of steps because who knows, right? Um, but yeah, uh, that's kind of like my feeling, but I know that there are a lot of movements that trying to help you get safe. For example, there is uh, in New York, there is an organization called Safe Work NYC that when you reach out, like they come to you and they just escort you when you're going. So I'm trying to protect myself by using those kind of services or like even just Ubering everywhere to keep me safe. Um, in terms of like emotionally, I actually very surprised and get very, very much support from the firm when all these things happen. Uh, it was really heartwarming that when it happened, like all these firm leaders send out the massive messages to everybody like, hey, this is so sorry, it shouldn't happen. And it was also very good. They organized these talking series that everybody just can, can come and talk about how they're feeling. I feel like it's almost like a group therapy and it kind of really helped me to get through emotionally. Um, in terms of like how I view these incidents, it's, I feel like it's really hard for Asians. And I think about this even from last year when the BLM was going on, I think it's really hard for Asians to gather all together as Asian because of all this like different histories and like all these differences between like nurses Asians, South Asians, like all the different types of Asians that we have. But I hopefully we can all unite against hatredism and hates that we just put together all the differences between us and just get united against the hate and then like take actions about it, not really think about what's going on from, I don't know, what's going on between like China, Korea or Japan or whatsoever. So yeah, hopefully. And I guess like, we should also raise our voice a lot whenever there's chances given, like at your work or 
wherever it is. I heard so many messages from my team members and my work friends. When I shared my experiences, they are saying like, oh my gosh, I didn't know those things are happening. I'm so sorry. And one of my friends was like, oh, Janet, it should be fine. It's New York. You're in like most diverse city in US. I'm like, no, in in New York, we are getting hit. That's real. Um, I think it's really important to just raise our voices and let them know these things happen and ask them to, you know, just don't neglect when those things are happening in your eyesight. I think you touched every single point really well. Even like I like before this, um, before the media media catches the, the, uh, these problems, I never worry about myself, like walking around at nighttime or going some cities in the United States. But after it happens, sometimes just I look around uh, and then just feeling a little bit awkward or scared sometimes. And I know since we are Asian, our identities, my my identity is like Korean and Asian, but some of my some of our friends who born in here, like they are Asian American, still their identity or nationality is American, and they are discriminated by these things. So yeah, I feel so bad for everyone who are suffering from these issues. But at the same time, I think as you mentioned, the uh, sometimes Asian group because. When Jacob and I started this podcast last year, when we started NBA Jam season one, we also think about what is Asian because all the Asian nations have different background. Even Jacob and me, he's from Taiwan, I'm from Korea. Like I'm, I don't know much about things about Taiwan and we have different food, different preference, everything is different. So it's not easy to consolidate everyone, but it's really, it's a time to really speak out our voice and just help each other. I think this is good timing to do that. So let's change our gear into the MBA connections with your work life. So I know you from Fuk Dukwa, which is allegedly rival of Ross, which is my, my school. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just my opinion. Yeah, not official opinion, but. How does um, how does the MBA program, your Fuku MBA program, prepare you to be successful at what you are doing in your job or getting the job at McKinsey? Um, so I'm not sure I can tell about it's for McKinsey, but I'm pretty sure I can say that this MBA experience really helped me to get a job and working in US. I mean. I would say I never get this kind of education very focused much on getting a job, right? I remember when I was in undergrad, uh, those professors are really wanted to position themselves as more like academia side. They really hated talk about recruiting and they really hated like students skipping their classes, going to like get interview or going to a company presentation. Right, they always thought that like, yeah, university is for academia, right? It's although like in reality, we use those bachelor degrees to get our job. It's like its main purpose is to learning and knowledge, right? 
But I feel like MBA is amongst all those things that they can offer and amongst all those purposes that people come for, I guess we cannot deny that its main purpose is getting a good job, right? And I, and they really trying to support students to get a job and like navigate through this recruiting process, like starting from like how to write the resume, how to reach out to those people. I never got that kind of training in my life before. So I think like that really tremendously helped me to understand like how this recruiting slash hiring process going on. What are the things people are considering? What are the things I should do to effectively communicate myself to potential hiring people? So I think that was a tremendous help, not only just recruiting in US, but in recruiting in general. And also, of course, it helped me tremendously because yes, I never worked in US before, not knowing like what are the US company wants, what are the processes, how does working in US company looks like, right? But I think like through those like company presentations and networking or like lots of company tracks that we did as an MBA student, I think that really helped me to get a glimpse of what's going on there and then get me help, get me prepared. And it's also a really great opportunity or like great status to have is that like, you know, it's always so easy to reach out to those people or ask questions saying like, hey, I'm Duke MBA student. I just want to know about your job. Like, what are you doing, right? I don't think I can do that as just, I don't know, as just a normal person or like, I don't know. I, I don't think I can just reach out to like anybody <laughs> saying like, hey, I'm a McKinsey consultant, but I just want to know what you're doing in Amazon. That might kind of feel a little bit weird. So I think that was a really great opportunity to have that title so that more like entitled to ask questions and reach out to all these people around the world. And I guess also the second thing is uh, get a network slash to get a good friendship. As a person, as I said, like I came to US by myself, my parents are still in Korea and I don't have any close relatives in US. So for me, having that support network around me, not only in New York with me, but also all over US, is really just like helpful for me. There was one time um, I was searching for a New York apartment after my graduation, but as you can imagine, before COVID time, it was really hard to get an apartment in New York in summertime. So even after I got signed for my apartment, they told me I should move in like a couple weeks later. I cannot move in right away. So there was a time that I just don't have any place to sleep. And back then I was traveling. So my friend in San Francisco, they helped me to get to this like random Korean um, networking event with me. And they just like took me all, all the way around San Francisco. And the friend that I met from networking event, she also take care of me in New York. Like I was in her New York apartment for a week. So those things like really helped me to stay in US and like become my emotional supporter as well, going through all this hard times. 
And I think like that's really valuable thing that you can get out from MBA. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear that you, um, you know, you have got a lot of things out of your um, MBA whole experience and having all these friends around the world or, you know, even just within the U.S., that is amazing. Um, I wouldn't say I will feel the same way because the COVID things kind of... I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not... I, I mean, I would say like during my first year, like my um, MBA one, I do feel the same way. Like, hey, I, I, I was... I can... I can be able to make, I can make a lot of good friends. And I'm sure that I can expect they will be, whenever I go anywhere, I can definitely find a friend to hang out to or whenever I need them um, for, for any kind of support. Um, but now, you know, doing this MBA too, I kind of feel differently with because it's really hard to, um, you find the, the, those kind of tight connection. I'm not sure how Jake feels, but... That's how I feel. Like the whole COVID just changed my experience, <laughs> unfortunately. Same, same here, same here. <laughs> oh, yeah, I cannot imagine it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but yeah, we, we, I mean, I, we, we still try. I trying to, uh, especially with um, the couple weeks left, trying to reconnect with people, uh, especially things are getting better. People are vaccinated. Um, and yeah. I, I see people like trying to regroup, uh, reconnect which is a good thing. Um, so Absolutely. looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have seen a lot of good things from, from your <laughs> MB experience. And I'm sure if you get another chance to make a decision, um, whether you are pursuing an MBA or not, you definitely will say yes. Yes. So yeah. Um, then I want to ask you, is there anything that you would do differently if you can go back to your MBA period? Yeah, um, not as like MBA period, but if I go back in the past, I think I'll put much more effort to research and find a right school or like find about the MBA school program. Not that I'm saying like Duke Fuqua was like not really fitted to me, but it was, I think like I was very lucky to find that a good fit from the school that I joined. But to be honest, when I look back my uh, MBA prep time, I feel like mostly we are only think about the rankings of the MBA and not really know well about like, oh, which MBA has like a very difference in what program, right? Like I never know that like which MBA is like very known for this, not known for that. I was like very afraid of like, I might not gonna make it my first try. I was so afraid that I was gonna get rejected from every other school that I applied. So I was like, I was just like only focusing on that. But when I look back, I, so for example, I never know, like there was a program, I think it was Ross, like has a like three year program that you can also learn about a little bit of like data science, something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. You're right. That's what I did, but I'm not pursuing the data scientist track. But I do UX experience. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. I think I would have appreciated to know that kind of all differences, and then like choose the right program and think about what really I want to do with MBA. 
but back then I was like, oh, I just want to go India. I just want to get out of Korea and then like do some different things. <laughs> so I think I was a little bit rushed. So if I feel bad, I want to do it differently. And I think like it's all about preparation. Like even for my first year MBA, I still feel I if I if I go back, I want to do it a little bit differently. Like I really didn't understand about like what is what is need to be become like a club cabinet. Like why do I need it or like what should I do to be that right? Like when I first do the interview to become a club cabinet, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> Um, but on my second year, after going through all that, now I'm feeling like, oh, I feel like now I know what's going on. And now I know why I want to do like in the first year, I was literally just wanting to become a club cabinet because I wanted to put down on my resume. But now in my second year, I was feeling like, oh, this is the thing that I'm interested in. And this is the topic that I want to put my time in. And that's why I want to do the club cabinets. And that really worked well, and that really helped me as well. So I really want to be more prepared. And also, I want to follow, uh, I want to follow the voice from my heart, right? I think like it's similar to applying MBA. I was so afraid of like, what if I don't get any job after all these, right? So I trying to focus on I mean like I do a lot of consulting but I feel like it's still having those regrets like oh what about if I did this back in there right what about if I apply to this I don't know I really like kind of like cultural spaces so like I was like oh what if I apply for I don't know Netflix or Lincoln Center or, <laughs> or Lego uh, I always thought about the kind of more like laid out way, like proven ways. But I think like it might have been also nice if I actually really set up my goal following my passion and then like focus on to make it true. Because I feel like after graduation, now I feel like, okay, this is kind of like the moment that you can make a big call. Like after getting onto a career, it's really hard to make this like a pivotal change. So I feel like it's really important for you to try all the things that you want to try in your MBA time. And then, you know, that was going to lead you either to your dream or either to, you know, realizing reality, like, okay, like this might not be my way, you know, not, not making any regrets or like looking back. And also, yes, I think I would have played a little bit more hard, I guess. I should, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, it's a really funny story that uh, after graduating and then like using the name class of 2019, I feel like, ah, maybe I should, you know, maybe I should have joined like one year later because like 2020 sounds better than 2019, right? Like. Looks better. So I was like, oh, maybe I should just like join one year later, you know? And then like COVID started. I was like, okay, I made a very great choice on the right timing. I'm like very proud of myself. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm very happy with my experience. Conclusion. That's a really good a piece of tips for me because I feel 
basically I'm I'm lost because I'm doing I'm still doing my recruiting and our graduation will be like April end of April and I'm not sure where I should go after graduation maybe staying here a little bit more and recruiting more but yeah I, I should follow my passion and my heart and just doing my best <laughs> yeah you know I mean I always have this kind of like looking back in my like my history like I always think like oh what if I did this back then what if I did that back then versus like more like proven road that you can expect what's come next right mm -hmm. so you know it can be and I saw like one of my friends in Duke Fuqua like he really followed his dream and then he pulled it through. Like in his first year, he was the one who didn't get the internship at the last minute. But like he got the internship from the company that he wanted to go. And then he also got the full-time offer from it amongst like mm -hmm. four interns that worked over there. So I think after seeing that, I feel like, yeah, like we should maybe really try and see what's coming out of it. Got it. All right, so MBA agents, last question. Any tip for current MBA students to be prepared for working in the US? I would say be aggressive. I see a lot of Asians kind of holding themselves back uh, whenever they're talking, either because of more cultural background, like we are, whenever like somebody is talking about themselves too much, we are kind of like, giving them side eyes of like, oh my gosh, he loves himself too much kind of look. Um, so on that sense, yes, I really, but in US, I find it out like, if you have, if it shows up that confidence or if you talk about yourself a lot, like that gives you, that makes you stand out. So I would say like be aggressive. And I also saw a lot of times people holding themselves back because of the language issue. Um, people are very worried about like, oh, what if I don't talk well? What if I talk super slowly? What if my pronunciation is like super bad? Um, and that was also one of my concerns when I joined McKinsey because it's actually art of communication, really. And putting the right word, like sharp and crisp word on the document was really a hard thing for me. And it's also still a hard thing for me too. But when I was talk about this every time with my manager, they're saying like, Jeanette, like, don't let it become your barrier. Like you can always have your manager or BAs to just like sanitize checking for your grammars. As long as you have the idea and you have the insight that you want to deliver, that is more important thing versus like you, I mean, like, of course, like it's nice that you, can communicate well without any help, but it's more minor thing versus like getting a good insight and things to say. So, and I often see like, don't you guys feel in that way? Like I often like in the classroom or even in the team room, I often see like lots of other people say something that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> For sure. For sure. <laughs> like, like you think, oh, cool, but like, what the heck? You're like, what? So what? Like, why are you talking about it, right? Or so, or, re you know, or repeating. I'm not yeah, sure if you exactly. that. Like, don't, don't show up. Like, don't show up your English skill there. Like, 
God, because you do English because you born in U.S. or something. I don't know. But yeah, like just like speak up and trying to be aggressive. I know it's really hard, but I th it also be a good place to become a person who really loves himself or herself. And I'm trying to become that kind of person. I mean, like not too much, but, you know, better than like keep trying to compare or like keep trying to get that 100 or like A plus from the exam. So, yeah, I just want to say like be brave and be aggressive. All right. So, Jeanette, thank you so much for sharing this whole amazing stories, your experience with us today. Our audience will definitely love this episode a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you. I hope it helps. Today's show was with Jeanette Huang, a management consultant at McKinsey. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. You can find us through all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. New episodes come out every Tuesday, U.S. time. Subscribe to our podcast, follow us on NBA Gens on Instagram, Facebook, and please share it with your friends. Stay tuned and see you next week.